Good morning and welcome to another episode of a Totally Arsenal podcast. I'm your host, Mornay. And I'm Aiden, a disgruntled Aiden, actually, after our performance against Leicester City. You know, it seems, you know, whether it's the first 11 or the squad players, no one is really stepping up as a, you know, to cause some sort of defensive, not only defensive unit, but gelling as a team. I don't know, it, it seems like at times we are playing with 11 strangers on the field. I mean, the, the guys should have been up for it. I mean, you were given a lifeline again. All you had to do was go, you know, beat Leicester City. I mean, if you had to beat Crystal Palace at home, it would kind of, I know we can't forgive losing away from home, but it would kind of alleviate the pressure of having to beat Leicester and Wolves. But, I mean, knowing what is at stake in this game, it, it seemed like Bernd Leno was the only guy that actually wanted this. I mean... Uh... Like my take on it is, you know, Arsenal went four for two into the game, but I mean, from the onset, it just looks like, you know, as soon as the whistle went and we kicked the game, what kicked off? It's something like we were never really in the game. I mean, you immediately saw Leicester pushing forward, right? like pressing forward, and it, like based on tactics, now you could see the four one four one that Leicester were playing. We're leaving people like Tielemans and I think Didi, or at times when um, Didi and, and James Madison would switch, like in the middle of the park. They were always not only outnumbering us in midfield, but people like, they, look, uh, Madison is a creative ball player. Um, the other one, Didi, okay, Didi is more of, you know, the tough guy type of thing. But I mean, Tielemans and them, they had so much time on the ball they could make. You know, they had late darting runs. They could, you know, like they were sitting, like Madison was like having so much time on the ball. It was like when you would see, uh, when we would play, like say if you have an Arsenal game where they dominate the team, where it's almost like uh, when you know a game is going Arsenal's way is when you see Ozil being able to get three or four touches on the ball for laying it off. And that is what was happening to us. And we just didn't combat it. Or some of the players were just not up for the fight. I mean, again. It's a problem though. When are they going to step up to the fight? I mean, I've mentioned this probably a few times, but this is a top four race and the guy's already hiding. Can you imagine we had to, like, I envy sometimes, like, looking at likes of Liverpool and Man City, like, when the one team wins, the other team has to win or the title could be at the end and the other team just goes and wins the game. Then there's back in the other team's court and they're just showing their mental strength all the time. But Arsenal, they have chances to, you know, solidify their place in the top four and they just let it slip out their hands. And... Like this game, we saw the guys just lacked a lot of character and strength. I mean, start of the game, we kind of, you know, early on we did. It was a kind of an even contest with how we were combating um, Leicester. But it seems like it all just fell to the wayside to, as the game wore on. I mean, what, what frustrated me the most, um, if you go from, like say that game now, the, uh, the Leicester-Arsenal game, and you switch your attention towards um, the Man United-Chelsea game, that game was played at, you know, high-octane speed. And it's like, you know, you could barely, sorry, uh, you could barely, uh, you know, get your foot on the ball type of thing. Because it was like, you know, played at, at such a tempo. So, of course, the frustration just added to the, the whole situation with, you know, the way we were in the, almost like in this rut that we at the moment, we just can't get out of. It seems like Arsenal plays in patches. Like, we will go on a winning run. Oh, like an un- un- unbeaten run, and it will look all good. And then we'll take a terrible dip because if you look at it, 
we were what 11 to 10 points ahead of United and they caught up to us and then we had a chance to like kind of pull away and then they caught up to us again. I mean so, to be honest, sorry to interrupt you, but I mean for me, if I'm Arsenal, just quote with this training videos that you keep putting up. Because I mean when you see what, what happens on the training ground and you see what happens when you're actually watching the game now, it's like chalk and cheese. You don't see that that sort of uh high intensity running and stuff like because at that point, you get the as much they don't care what's happening in the game. Yeah, and and for for such for such, um, I mean, this could take Arsenal to the next level, getting back into the top four. I mean, I feel sorry for sometimes Una Emery because you see he's trying a tactic, he's coming to the game with a game plan. I don't know if the players are just not listening. I think it, or I if think that I think it is that because. Now, that was actually a point I wanted to make to you, like not only now for the podcast, but also in private, because you can see the idea is there, what Emery wants, but it's like he doesn't have the, the manpower to actually do what he wants, you know, to be done. So you're getting people switching off for this, doing that, ending up running so high forward, and then they just forget about the other responsibilities of tracking back or helping out at the back. Because I can tell you this, if Arsenal don't make Champions League, I... I... Maybe, you know, I could be wrong and, you know, Arsenal surprises us. But if they don't make Champions League, I can't see how we can attract more players to the club that can make a difference because you will get the likes of, you know, if we want to get somebody from Ajax, they won't leave uh, uh, Ajax for the Champions League club to come play Europa League football. I mean, then they could rather join one of the other top four clubs in England. Or we have, uh, um, you know, we, have, we can't maybe attract players in the Premier League because why would they want to play Europa League if they can play Europa League if they win the FA Cup or something so we kind of needed prestige back at Arsenal and losing and performances like we did against Leicester is not going to get us there. I mean like just to focus now back on the game again um, you know something you also need to teach our players and it's now not just trying to pick out say Maitland Niles now but I mean something you need to teach the squad to you know do it like tactical fouls where it's done so almost like nearly, you could say, almost like inconspicuously, because our guys are doing it so, like, like look at, at, at Mustafa, not Mustafa now, really, because, okay, so we all know he just jumps in normally. <laughs> but, like, like someone like, say, Socrates, if you beat Socrates, he's going to try to rugby tackle you down, and I mean, uh, he does that almost like nine times out of ten in front of a referee or in front of a linesman. I mean, you cannot, you got to work like nothing to defend you, really, because you are literally holding a guy down, whereas you watch somebody like, Say Fernandinho, you know, make as if his legs are tangling to yours and he'll <laughs> trip you. And you know, almost like Gilberto used to do for us. Like, so I remember back in the day when we had Gilberto, people used to wonder, like, look at, like, you know, the commentator would say, look at all these fouls he's getting away with. But you know, that's why you used to call him the invisible wall because you get tripped and, and, and bumped over. But it looks so, you know, a nothing burger. So you end up just, that it ends up just giving him a talking to or even letting it just go by. I think our players lack that bit of street smart on the field. You know, they they kind of just out of out of, out in the open all the time. We're not that players that like to do things undercover because you see this many times. There's a lot of teams that have that experience and that players were sp- uh, street smart. That you know, just a niggle here, niggle there, and that frustrates the opposition to lash out sometimes. Because look, with that that first yellow of Maitland Niles, Chilwell is about to go past him, and he actually puts hands on the guy's, like, I don't know if it was his shoulders or arms, to pull him back. And I'm thinking to myself, you are making it obvious and you might as well just 
you know, what I accidentally run into him, and you know, yes. with it like that. And then, with, a, with regard to the second yellow, I mean, it should not have actually been a yellow because I had no different angles or so watching it. He puts that foot out for uh, it's almost like that time when you mentioned the time with, with um, a few seasons back, I think, with um, Jamie Vardy. And Monreal puts his leg out in that game at the Emirates, I believe. And Vardy yes. jumps over it and falls to the ground and he gets a penalty. And uh, the same thing was like played out there. Uh, Maitland Niles put his leg out. That Madison jumps over the leg and, of course, goes into like a little uh, theatrical role. And I'm, of course, the ref from being at such a weird angle, he thinks it's now full co- contact on the top of his foot that gives him the second yellow. So it's not like he was in a way also asking for that yellow the way he was putting himself about. Uh, Funny enough, before that, before that um, yellow, uh, the second yellow was 36 minutes, eh? Because yeah. in the 35th minute, Iwobi had an opportunity to make it 1-0 to Arsenal and I think that red card might not have happened should Iwobi have slotted that easy chance he had where he kicked it straight to Casper Schmeichel. And we've mentioned this previously as well, that Iwobi is starting to not have that final product in the box which you need. And I mean, he's 23 years, but I'm sure if Leroy Zane had to get that opportunity, it's 1-0 Arsenal. So and that's what we like. In between that, that, that chaotic period of the game where Lisa were overrunning us and we were, you know, having uh, almost like these sporadic uh, counter-attacks. There was also a chance where I think Iwobi played the ball in for either Iwobi or Aubameyang. They played the ball in the middle of the in the by the penalty spot for Lacazette. And instead of, you know, having a bit of a cool head to slot the ball in there, because I think Kasper Schmeichel was also flat-footed. And he almost like just slashed at the ball and it went, you know, between the corner flag and the, the first post. So he just totally... Body, his body shape, and the striking totally wrong. It's like the whole team and the whole team's chips are down. The the chips are down. You don't see, like, like I wish Leno was an infield player because with these performances in goals, and we had to like convert it as a to an infield player, we probably would have gotten away with some results because it seems like he's the only guy that's actually you know trying to keep Arsenal into the game. He's trying to win the game as a goalkeeper, which is really difficult. So we don't have that player that actually wants to take the game with the scruff of the neck. I mean, Aubameyang again, he's, yes, our top scorer, but it just seems like if it, if he's not going to contribute in the attacking sense or scoring a goal, he doesn't do as much like he, the Dortmund Aubameyang used to do. And I, I think with the, with the team as a whole, what we just don't learn, I mean, we've seen it now throughout this season now, it's like all these scuffed and and you know fluffed up chances. We it, it ends up always always biting us on the backside because, as I said, like I said, they had the chance. It won't be had the chance. It was still no no, and we still had eleven on the field. And then the minute that red card comes about, all of a sudden the pendulum now starts swinging because you could see the the that, that little half chances we were getting. Leicester were now starting to to also second guess themselves the way they were playing. Because, I mean, they went from that attacking force the first 20 minutes to all that worrying now how we were starting to attack them on, on either flank. And But, and, I mean, what that red card also did, you know, it's almost like they really swung the pendulum their way then. And Leno made some amazing saves just to keep it nil-nil before half-time. I think it was a header that looked like it was going into the top corner and he just somehow, like Superman, just clawed it out. And I was yeah. like, okay, nil-nil at half-time. I would take it. But the problem is, I mean, 
it's Arsenal Football Club going down to 10 men. And I don't know how you saw it, but me, when we went to 10 men, I thought to myself, the best we will get is a draw here. And that's quite sad compared to over the years when if we should go 10 men down, we'd be like, you know, we still stand a chance here. I mean, like my my opinion with regards to you know going into half time, no, 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 I was just thinking, you know, being our discipline sick and all because you can't really just go gung ho and, and try to sneak a winner and whatever because we just don't have that sort of character, you know, that can not only go a, a goal ahead but also then defend that goal because I was that was now my mindset. And then, like, with the half time, uh, also then brought on Kosialny for Iwobi to you know to still keep that, that back for shape. And then I'm mean, off came uh, for like with regards to um, Leicester. The, remember, I was still telling you if I'm also second off, go for Ndidi. Like, you yeah, know, I remember that. I and remember that. And then Rogers, like it was a telepathic thing, he immediately he takes off <laughs> Ndidi and puts on that uh, wing of his Harvey Barnes, who's you know quite tricky. I mean, I've heard of him, I've never seen him really in action, but watching him. Like when the second half started and him go having a go at Mustafi, you know, with the inside outside runs, I was thinking, oh my god, that's going to be one of those afternoons because you could see Mustafi did not know whether to come towards him or back off against him. And I mean, he knew. I mean, you could actually see he knew he had Mustafi's number because every time he was coming towards the edge of the box, Mustafi was like, you know, already shouting for somebody to either double up or come help in the middle. There. And, and, and the problem for me is. Arsenal, why couldn't we put the performance like Watford did when we went down to 10 men? You know what I mean? It's like Arsenal looked so shaky, but when we went down to 10 men against, I mean, Watford went down to 10 men against us, we still looked shaky. So, like, I thought maybe, you know, we could stand up to Leicester, but as you mentioned, it just didn't look like it was going to happen. And then it was looking like a goal was waiting to come until in. The 59th minute when James Madison put in a lovely cross for Yuri Tillemans. And the space he had to still take, take the read, it was, it was too easy. I mean, what, what seriously annoyed me, and I mean, I, I literally lost it watching that, that the, 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 the way that the whole thing unfolded was the Madison cross, okay, you can understand. But the other thing was Xhaka is man, supposedly man marking. Tillemans, as, as Madison was not trying to make that space for him to get the cross in. And I'm thinking, okay, you're still with your man. The minute that cross comes in, Tillemans is already, you know, on his boots. Uh, like, you know, Jet Eels going forward. And Jacques is still standing there. And he's not even giving anybody a shot to say, look, there's a runner coming. And I'm thinking to myself, look, you as a central midfielder should be either busting a gut to keep always ahead of him or to, you know, somehow just obstruct his view when that cross is coming in. Or like, you know, just put him off. But all Xhaka does is stand on on his own. Of course, the, the, the central midfielders are too slow. They're not also, you know, alert as to what is around them. And, and I mean, Tillemans just headers, like a power header pass. Leno giving him also no chance. Yeah, and at that point, I thought, one all down, no way back. And it's it's sad that I thought that, but I, I couldn't see us. I don't know how you saw it at one all down. Did you see hope for us or... No, like with regard to that, like when we went the goal down, I was not trying to do, you know, thinking, okay, Arsenal are going to try to do something with the ball now because it's already now up your top facing that the eventual equaliser. And I mean, we were stuck, you know, with this. I mean, Emery was not doing anything to alter the tactic. And we were now, of course, still having problems with this 4-1-4-1 that Leicester were playing. 
he then makes the like changes. Guendouzi uh, coming on for the toothless Mkhitaryan, and Ketia then coming off for the you know like as it was also having. You can in a way also you can't blame him because there was also nothing happening. He was trying to drop into central midfield to add extra bodies, but I mean at, by that time it was for me too late. And I think with regards to the game as a general, I think even at with ten men or if we had eleven. The more I look at the game now, you know, from not only as a fan, but then also trying to watch, look at it more from the outside as a neutral, I did not see us even scoring in the game like that. And I, I have a stat speaking about that. We, we Okay, maybe it could have been down to the, the red card or not, but we only had one shot on target and we only had six shots in the game in general. So there's a bit of a problem compared to Leicester, who had 24 shots and 12 on target. So... Do they get into account that the, there was a the red card, or do you think Arsenal were just that bad on the day that they could only must out one shot at target? We were bad because even that that finishing didn't look like a team that's focused or, or chasing something. I mean, you've now watched, you know, like we've watched Man City, we've watched Liverpool games, we've watched um, Tottenham games, stuff like that. They will stretch a keeper. I mean, look, Tottenham got mugged on their own ground on 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 the Saturday, but it's not like they just waved the white flag. They were trying right to the end. And I think even at the end of the Tottenham game, they, uh, they had a shot cleared off the line in injury time. We, we, when we saw them, like, uh, saw, saw them off. So, I mean, where is that sort of intensity or drive from us? I mean, we're chasing top four. And it's still, it's almost like a, a hand grenade in our hand. we throwing it to Chelsea. Chelsea's throwing it to United. United's throwing back to us. Nobody wants top four, man. There was a, there was a perfect picture. I don't know. I think if I sent it to you, that where they show the... Like the title race, um, I think it's um, Tottenham, I'm um, not Tottenham, Liverpool and City is like two cars, you know, leading in front in the race. And then they show the top four race, like a NASCAR pileup of different cars all smashing into each other, trying to get to the top four. Because really a catastrophe at the moment. I mean, I don't know. I, I think <laughs> both of them, Tottenham have been playing. I think Tottenham do have enough in them to secure third. But I mean, like for me, the Leicester one has actually taken all you know, realistic hopes away from getting top for the season because, uh, you know, with the Europa League being the only other option now. But I just don't see because it's going to take a momentous screw up at Chelsea to mess this now up. Because with United now, that now totally, not totally, but kind of puts them, I mean, like fifth maybe being highest they can really go for. Because... Chelsea, I think, just need about one win out of two games or something like that. So, and so it's Watford. They play. Uh, they play. Don't they play Watford? Uh, they play Watford and Leicester. I mean, I'm I'm sure maybe. What's the points ahead of us? Is it three or, or is it two points? Chelsea, have a I believe, got seventy. We got sixty-six. I believe. Yeah, we got sixty-six. Chelsea have sixty-eight. It's a two-point gap. With Chelsea playing Watford and Leicester, I mean, those aren't easy games. We're throwing in the Europa League in between. But you know, I'm sure Watford will be fired up. You know, that aside, I'm just thinking, that with all this permutation, do we actually deserve it? Because, I mean, everything was ended on a silver platter to us going a month away already. We saw other fixtures after after we had that, that Tottenham game, everybody, or the, sorry, not the Tottenham, but the United game. Everybody thought, okay, now this is now your... You're running for the top four, you know, clock up your wins that you need and, and, and secure it. And we managed to, you know, literally trip over ourselves leading to the top four finishing line. 
I, I do think, you know, it's, it's, it's just going to be about showing character now. I think that we've been given over enough lifelines, but I think there is one. If if anything, you would have wanted Chelsea to maybe play, obviously, better position, but coming up against Watf- Watford and Leicester City, I mean, those two games, I mean, Leicester City can still see the ending seventh in sight and maybe they get the Europa League spot. So, you know, it's it's not all done and dusted yet. So for the fans to like, you know, I know it's tough, but we still need to keep hope that, you know, that Chelsea slip up against Wolves. I mean, not Wolves, Watford or Leicester City. I mean, but the other thing that, that could also count in, again, uh, as much as I hate to say it in Chelsea's favour, is the fact that, look, we, uh, Watford are also going to reach a stage now where their minds are going to start drifting to the FA Cup final. And players, you don't know, are players going to really give it their all in, in, in certain games or... Are they going to try to save themselves? You know, where they would like we normally they would go into 50-50 tackles. They'll rather let the opponent, you know, win a scrap like that. So, or you could look at it this way that maybe they're going to use it as an audition because yeah. they playing against Man City. They could play their socks off because we saw um, what's the Watford coach at Javier Gracia or something like that. Um, he he actually dropped El Fuego in the for the semi final against Wolves because he had a he had an underpar performance in the week. I think then they played Fulham, I think. Yeah. He didn't play as as well and the coach actually dropped him for the semi final against and that's why he was on the bench against um Wolves and then they brought him on. So the co- the coach also I think doesn't like players that go hiding or missing. So if I think maybe you know keep our fingers crossed and positive that Watford are gonna use that as an audition to show that they want to play in the finals. And then, you know, with regard to the game again, um, in the 86th minute, it was all like punch in the gut time. Uh, <laughs> Michael moves a route one ball forward. Socrates and Koscielny are ball watching. And in that time, ball watching, the ball drops behind them and Jamie Vardy is off. And as, as uh, Leno is advancing, he lobs uh, Leno. Socrates still tries to give chase. Uh, Koscielny, for some reason, please somebody tell me why he ends up walking. <laughs> the ball clips the bar because I mean, Socrates is not man alone on the goal line. Leno's trying to fall back. But I mean, the, of course, there's nobody putting Vardy under any pressure as Koscielny is still walking. And the ball gets nodded in on the rebound by Vardy. 2 0, Leicester City. Uh, Arsenal now, you know. You can see the white flags already up, and I think in injury time, Arsenal just don't bother picking up anyone. I mean, I was really disgusted seeing that. I mean, I think after when Dursey lost the ball on the edge of the box, everybody just stood still. I think Mustafi was walking from the halfway line. I don't know why he was that high up either. The ball gets played, and Jamie Vardy is a free, you know, free to, uh, chance where he just taps the ball past Leno to wrap the game up 3 0 for them. Disgusting performance. I actually wanted to ask you with regards to that um, second goal of of Leicester City that when the ball managed to eat the bar and Vardy didn't even he didn't seem under pressure like he just composed himself, waited for the ball, chuffed and nodded it in. Like where's the pressure or urgency on people closing him down? How can he just line himself up, look for the ball, and, and jump and nod it in? You know, and, and now, look, we normally, like you and myself, since we're doing the podcast, if somebody is playing crap, we'll call him or call him out on it. I mean, we've been harping on Mustafi, we've been harping on, on 
Xhaka when he does, you know, play bad. And then, but I mean, for me, the captain should also be called out the way he, or you know, that was also lack of leadership the way he was going about things. I mean, you see that your captain should be, you know, running on that the last muscle or last sinew to get to the ball. And what is he doing? He's taking a walkabout in a game where we could, you know, we could have still managed something if we could, like, eke out maybe an equalizer or something like that. But he just did not worry. And with a third, like, the third was almost like a roundup of 2019 Arsenal defense, if, or if you or should say, like, April 2019. Because that was like, you know, everybody just don't give two dams about what they're going to do now. Well, that's the problem. Nobody's looking like they're willing to break a leg for the club. Not that you wanted to literally break a leg, but no one's like giving a fight, like showing that we, we want this, we want this. It's like, like, oh, well, I'm having a bad day. You know what? Next, next week, we'll fix it. I mean, I look at, at, um, at David Luiz the other day also. He got, I think after they lost Rudiger with a knee injury, he ends up uh, pinching his groin doesn't even like tweak, but I mean he just had them like ice it and spray it, and when he looked again, he was back on, even like you know playing through the pain barrier. And I think we we've got too many players like sometimes you'll see when they ask a player like are you sure everything they'll say nah, I'd rather take me off. I, <laughs> I don't want any part of this anymore. And that is a problem. We need more battlers, and that is. I mean I think we tweeted about it. I don't know if we even talked about it last week. I'm not that sure but i know i did tweet about it was we need to promote from within the league rather because then you rather have, have defenders that are capable of you know taking a hit uh are not gonna yeah. I mean, how many times haven't we seen this season alone especially <laughs> this horrific april i mean april was horrific for me where you have people not playing to the whistle putting their arms up appealing for offsides and then <laughs> they or somebody else since the defense is totally out of whack they are not watching what's happening, so they're not watching the defensive line. Every the defensive line is up, out of shape, and then you have uh, situations where I don't know which game it was. Also, some months back, where Mustafi puts his hand up and he's playing everybody onside. <laughs> I, I think you are right. We do need to do that. I mean, a lot of successful title teams have gone and done that, promoted within the league. I mean, we've seen United when they brought Robin Van Persie in as a striker. I mean, he done the job. Man City brought in a John Stones as a defender, and he's kind of like you know solidified his spot there. They say, um, you look at Liverpool as well. Brought in Sadio Mane. Nobody would have spent at the time thirty million for Sadio Mane. They brought him in. They brought Van Dijk in. Even Andrew Robertson came from Al City. So it's not necessarily like you know those European clubs that they're signing from, but they're signing within the league and. You can see the players who are Premier League ready. They hit the ground running. And, you know, uh, with regard to... With, with also now some uh, something I want to also talk about is... You know, we've been playing this this thing where... I think we started also middle of last season. I'm sorry, middle of, of this, this season. But, I mean, you know, November, December time. Where we would do this high defensive line, right? Where, where like I said, the opponent has a free kick. We'll push as far forward as we can. And now, I don't know if you've picked this up, teams have now figured that out. So, Arsenal are doing this high line of defending. But then, what, what's happening is you're having late runners going in the box. And we are being caught out time and time and time again now with this, this type of thing. Because I, I, I first thought, I saw it on, on against Everton. Everton were doing that. Uh, even Watford were doing that. When they were down to 10 men, they were also and doing that. Napoli yeah. as well. Yeah. And 
something like Emery, so either somebody on his coaching staff is not telling him or he's, he's too focused on the other flaws that we have and he's not focusing on this, you know, where this thing has now been sussed out already. Because I, I just worry because we're going to be caught out. I mean, we still got now about what, two games in the league and, and still three, uh, possible three games possibly in the league. Possibly three, yeah. If you look at Leicester's second goal, Schmeichel played the long ball over to Vardy. So that high line is not working. If, Peter, if Kasper Schmeichel can eat the long ball and get an assist, we there's really something wrong with it and it needs to be ironed out. And let's hope Valencia don't come to the Emirates and take advantage of it on Thursday. I mean, look at We were just talking about that on Saturday. They were doing that also with Montreal and them over the... Was, Monreal or where they were just dinking the ball over the head the whole time and he was too slow to turn every time. So, I mean, that is like that is something that they, they probably not drilled into the teams, you know, those that we are playing, where they're not saying, look, their fullbacks keep on pushing up too high and they're leaving that, that whatever defenders, whoever's in the middle, they exposed. So, we just hit into that open pockets of space the whole time and, and let them, you know, ask questions of them. And I think, and we keep on failing with. Those sort of tests. Yeah, it's, it's, it's going to have to be worked on for us to move forward next season. And like I said, let's hope, you know, we, we can clean it up before Thursday because it's going to be a, a massive game for us now. This is basically one of the biggest games of Arsenal season against Valencia now at the Emirates since we so struggle away from home. But, I mean, if we can get the job done now on Thursday, it can be a massive relief. And, I mean, we can look kind of pass all this negativity and have something to look forward to. We don't want to be knocked out of the Europa League and then we could be miserable come the end of the season. I mean, Arsenal need need a big show, no doubt, against Valencia tomorrow because, um, look, we've now lost three games, three losses, and we've conceded nine goals in those three games. So, I mean, that is really, really worrying. I mean, last thing you want to be doing now is also shipping, at, uh, you know, especially in, in, in a knockout fixture like tomorrow night. You know, already going first league and you shipped in two or three goals, something like that. So, somehow the defense needs to be seriously worked on. Uh, with regards to Valencia, their last three games, they've won one and lost two. And um, their players to really watch out tomorrow night is the central midfielder, Parejo. Um, the left back, uh, Jose Gaia. Those are the two that done, because I wanted to say Cochran, but look, he's suspended for the first league anyway, so... Should watch out because that Parejo, he's already got, I think, in La Liga, nine goals, five assists, and I think he averages about almost close to eight, early, uh, yeah, 8.0 per game uh, performance average. So, you know, he's really there, Mr. Consistency, so you must watch out there. But that said, you know, Valencia is also a kind of goal shy team. So I think we should always like, try to force or pressure them, you know, to where we can, because I still think if we can go to the Messiah with a two plus, uh, you know, goal advantage, you know, two or three goal advantage. That could bode as well. Because, I mean, I just, uh, of course, the defence also has to play along. It's the other thing, side of things. Yeah, I, I do feel that we're going to... Two plus, I think, is the number. Yeah. Two, we can, I think, do. But if we can start like we did against Napoli, put the chances away very early and you can rock them. But then they have to kind of open up and then... Because if a team realises they're two or three goals down at, away from home, sometimes they may try to get it away goal because 
if you go 3-0 away from home, all it takes is one goal. We saw what had happened against Napoli. If you get that one goal, the tie is basically dead. Like Arsenal, they do that free kick of Lacazette. So if we can put pressure on Napoli and um, score two, two, two quick goals like we did against Napoli when we're coming up against Valencia, then I think we could take it. But one thing we should watch out for is... I don't know if you um, guys can maybe have a look as well after the podcast is done. How much red cards happen in Valencia's games? Because they always seem to get the opposition to get um, players sent off from the opposition. And it's something that we need to maybe watch out for since we've been really reckless in our challenges. And I think one thing also with regard to Valencia, they also a team at the moment um, that are also known for clean, seat, clean sheets. So we should be careful there also because they will probably try to you know park the bus because I think with, whether they're home or away, they will try to frustrate you too because they are very much almost like a counter-attacking team. So they've got people like that Guedes, Rodrigo, and even that uh, Gamero. That's people that can really catch you out on the break. You know, they almost like suck you in. You get you almost like you kind of set yourself up and they spring a counter on you. I mean, now Arsenal don't need a second invitation to set themselves up for counter-attacks. Yeah. So, I mean, I just hope we, we do our homework because, I mean, we failed badly these last three games. And, I mean, like, as much as I support Emery and that, I mean, I was really shocked at how not only the team was set up, but also the lack of, look, no no fault really of him. But yes, also make do with what he's got. But, I mean, seriously, we need to really, really get like a technical director in that can also help boost the, the, the transfers because we need serious targets coming for the new season, whether it's uh, for Europa League campaign or a Champions League campaign because we're going to have to start playing over the odds to get some people in, like, you know, that can you know, almost like true leaders get some real leaders in the squad because else, other than that, I don't see it, you know, really even positive for 2019-2020 season So if we could have five players signed, realistic targets, who would you bring in? Five, I'd probably be bringing somebody like um, Harry Maguire at centre-back. Um, left-back, either that Ajax left-back or even somebody like that Gaia or even Chilwell. Um, central defence is actually either that, that uh, one centre-back of um, Red Bull Leipzig or, you know, you know, bite the bullet and pay all the virals uh, release clause or even something like Kurt Zuma. You need somebody or even at the Cody of Wolves, you need somebody Premier League hardened to tackle the rest of the league. Because I just think our players are too lightweight because Socrates is uh, you know he's somebody that will do that you know bizarre tackles at times. I mean look he's a good defender but it's not like he's got also no trust in who's next to him. So he does, you know, whatever to get people now, you know, off the ball. So even if it means that I'd be tackling somebody down, you'll do it rather. And I mean, Koscielny, I don't see him lasting a full season at us. So, I mean, he should also like be somehow either phased out or sold on. Um, in midfield, I think we need a Neves type player, that, that Rubens Neves. You know, somebody that can not only attack, but is willing to defend, who's willing to get, you know, foot stuck in also deadly on the attack, you know, a real box-to-box player. And then, you know, also somebody even like Emil Forsberg of Red Bull Leipzig, you know, somebody really creative, but also tough. Maybe like somebody that can fit in that Aaron Ramsey role, or if 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 we do end up selling 
Ozil to you know make up some sort of money, and then also up front, I think we need one or two um, forwards also. Because I, I honestly, with with Welbeck leaving, that's going to leave us now with say Obama Young, Lacazette, and I mean at times you can't also depend that much on them. So you also need some sort of guy or one forward, maybe a, a top up and coming forward, and then maybe a seasoned type striker also as a third choice. Yeah, I, I can see that we, we those are exactly the kind of deep players that uh, I would have brought in as well. Solid centre-back so we can get our spine sorted out. And then we also, for me, a key, key, key guy is Obinga, which is either can be a Wilfred Zaha or yeah. that Saar of, um, was it, Rennes? Rennes, yeah. And, and also, before we probably end the, um, we end the podcast, I would like to also thank Aaron Ramsey for the service he gave to Arsenal since you mentioned to me that you might not be or probably will not be um, playing any part in Arsenal season anymore. Yeah, the from the like the various reports I've read now, they said that injuries are like too bad that he's got, so they rather want him to, you know, it's like a really rest and probably just do the basic physiotherapy, but not anything like to do with training and stuff physical or football training. So, yeah, it's like a sad ending to, you know, a real like a top, top career at Arsenal. And I mean, for a boy from Cardiff to come into the big city lights of London and, you know, really through all that adversity from that, you know, with a broken leg and, and the way he came back also showed that true character. And I mean, that, that, that season, I forgot which one it was, but he was just scoring, you know, freely. It could be... That like, forward, yeah. And then, of course, him also being key to us going on that FA Cup trophy run. So, I mean... A big up and thank you to Aaron Ramsey. All the best for his future endeavors at Juventus. So and maybe uh, never know, maybe he comes back one day. <laughs> okay, so we end of the podcast here. Our special edition that we wanted to do leading up to tomorrow night's Europa League semi final first league game. I hope you guys enjoy tomorrow. Hopefully, the team plays the way we all want to. So come on, you gunners, let's do this. Come on, let's go, Arsenal. <laughs>